the more money they make, the more self-worth they feel. So it's kind of tied up in that and, or, and it could be a little bit of a combination and, and I'm curious what it is for you and, or what you just mentioned, like, who am I to make money? Uh, you know, also known as I'm not deserving of it. What do you think? Right. I think it's more of the, I'm not deserving of it because okay. I haven't really been in a place where I've made a ton and that I think it's definitely the, the more of the deserving factor for me. <laughs> This is your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 289. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you're here. And guess what? We have another coaching episode for you today. And it's actually a two-parter. For this particular episode, Melanie came on and it ended up being a topic where towards the end of the episode, the coaching session, I should say, I thought to myself, this isn't over yet. And I didn't really feel like it was the type of episode where I could just get an update from her and tell you all about it. I really feel like it was something we needed to dig a little bit deeper on and have her again so I could ask her more questions. So next week, episode 290, you will hear the conclusion of it where we go over her homework, how it went for her, and what what she's going to do about it going forward. I have a couple of more of these in the queue and I'm excited about them. I really enjoy doing them and we got a lot of great feedback from last month when I had Rachel on and I coached uh, Rachel. So many of you wrote in saying that you, some of you were like, I was crying listening to it. It was so helpful. So if you want to, if you like this one or if you want to catch up, definitely go over and listen to that particular episode with Rachel. That was episode 286. And if you would love to be coached by me, there's a couple of different ways that you can do that. You can head on over to yourkickasslife.com slash coaching and read about the different packages that I offer where we can do kind of a, a big, have a bigger relationship, a bigger coaching relationship. And if you would like to come on and be coached by me for free uh, for one session, head on over to patreon.com slash Y-K-A-L. I will open up applications for patrons again in September. And those of you who are already patrons or if you're going to sign up to be a patron, by the way, thank you for supporting the show. It's y'all who support the podcast. I will tell you the exact date that I will open up applications for these spots. So you can put it on your calendar because they will fill up fairly quickly and you'll read all about it over there. Patreon.com slash Y-K-A-L will open up applications again for these sessions in September. All right. So this particular episode with Melanie is all about money. When I saw her application come through, she had offered two different topics that she was open to being coached on. And I thought to myself, Ooh, this one, this is the one let's talk about money because I don't know about you, but I talk to people all the time, you know, and by people, I mean, women who have money hangups. I don't, I think it's like, you are a, you are a lovely unicorn. If you can walk away from this culture without having any hangups around money, sex, or body image, right? I feel like though, that's like the trifecta of women's issues, 
Am I right? And Melanie is is no exception. And we're talking about money today. We will jump into exactly what the specific topic is for her, which I'm sure that you can relate to. So without further ado, here is the coaching session with Melanie. Melanie, welcome to the show. Hi. I am so glad to have you. Thank you for being vulnerable and coming on and sharing your life with us. And before we jump in officially, why don't you tell the audience kind of who you are, where you're from, what you do kind of thing. I'm from Denver, Colorado. The gist of it is I am a dog mom. I work in the dental field and um, really into personal development and growth. Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) What kind of dog do you have? I have two bull terriers, like the target dog. Okay. Are they white yeah, like that? Do they look just they're like- white? Oh yeah. Gosh. They're goofy. Super goofy. How cute. Yeah. How cute. Okay. Yeah. So you wanted to come on today. Your application caught my eye because you wanted to come on today and talk about money. Yes. Easy topic. Yes. I feel like we should wrap this up. No. In like five minutes. <laughs> Right. Right. It's not a big deal. Not a big deal. Well, it's one of those things that I feel it's such, um, it's still in 2019 is, is a taboo topic up there with Mm. sex. And I know that a lot of listeners struggle with this as well, especially what you talked about in your application. So tell us where you feel like the struggle is. You can feel free to read the, the paragraph that you sent me. Yeah, definitely. So Um, I have a really tough time managing my money in general. Um, I got into a ton of debt years ago and I'm trying to settle it right now actually, but it's been really hard on me um, emotionally as well. Um, I've been grappling with the fact that just because I used to be really bad with money doesn't necessarily mean I'm bad with money now. (laughs) I also have a really hard time feeling worthy of making and having money. Like who am I to make money when there's so many more people who need it more than I do? And also my ex made a lot of money and it's hard for me living on my own now for the first time. I think I took it for granted for years. So Mm -hmm. that's where I'm at. Do you feel, I'm just going to jump in with some questions. Sure. Just some things that make me curious. So do you, that last sentence that you said, my ex made a ton of money and it's hard for me living on my own. Do you feel like there was anything, is there anything wrapped up in that in terms of gender roles, you know, like the, you know, quote unquote, like taking care of you or anything like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. He actually paid for, um, he paid my bills for the last like six months of our relationship so I could quit my job. And that was kind of hard for me too, but it was also really nice. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, definitely gender roles and me just kind of feeling like I had to stay home and like cook and clean during that time while he paid the bills and absolutely gender comes into that a lot. Okay. Okay. And then I'm, I'm going to kind of jump around here just to get like a little bit more information. Y'all might hear me going back and forth with my papers over here on my desk. So (laughs) one of the, so the way that I do it over on Patreon where people can apply for these sessions, as I said in the application, it's like briefly tell me a few topics that you're kind of struggling with that you might want to get some coaching on. And the very first one that you said is you said money issues, exclamation mark, mark, AKA self-worth. So that Mm -hmm. says a lot, even though that's only like five words. (laughs) Totally. So tell me, tell me what you mean by also known as self-worth. How, are, how is that so tied up for you? Just feeling worthy of like, like I kind of mentioned in my paragraph too, just feeling worthy of like, who am I to be making money? What do I have to bring to the world in order to receive money for what I'm giving back? Okay. If that makes sense. So do you feel like Cause that could, when I read that, I felt like well, that could be interpreted in two different ways. It could be mm-hmm. interpreted. There might be some people listening who think that if the more money they make, the more 
self-worth they feel. So it's kind of tied up in that and, or, and it could be a little bit of a combination and, and I'm curious what it is for you and, or what you just mentioned, like, who am I to make money? I, uh, you know, also known as I'm not deserving of it. What do you think? Right. I think it's more of the, I'm not deserving of it. Cause okay. I haven't really been in a place where I've made a ton and that kind of, you know what I mean? But no. yeah, I think it's definitely the, the more of the deserving factor for me. Okay. I am curious, like what, how, I know you might be a little bit nervous just being on here, which of course is, <laughs> but I'm, I'm curious when, even if the recording was not going, even if it was just you sure. and I having a conversation about money, what is happening to your body? Like, what are you feeling right now? Just talking about money in general. Oh, just, yeah. Like a tightening in my chest a little bit. And even when I talk to other people about it, like I've had to ask my parents for money recently and it was just like, just dread <laughs> just, just in my chest. And like, I could almost cry when I asked them for money, just cause I'm like, I should be able to, I'm almost 30 years old. I should be able to be, you know, handle all this on my own. Um, and so just dread and a little bit of shame too. Mm-hmm. Tell me so. about, tell me about the shame. What are you ashamed of? Or how do you feel shame? How does it come in? Like why or how in my body again? Just however you want to answer the question, whatever's okay. coming up. Sure. I think the reason I feel the shame and it kind of comes back to comparison. I feel like I know a lot of people, you know, that I'm friends with on social media that I went to school with that like have their quote unquote lives together. (laughs) Um, And so I kind of feel like a little bit ashamed that I don't have my life together as much as they do in terms of like money and job and success and career. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's where that comes into play is the, the shame part is like, I should be able to handle my money and my finances by now, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so interesting. They, and just thank you for sharing that. I know that's not, you know, we have been talking like less than five minutes and I'm like, tell me about your shame stories around money. (laughs) I'm all for it. (laughs) That's how, that's how I like to talk to people. So no, I just appreciate that joking aside. I I really appreciate it because I know that there's so many people listening who are like, that's my same story. Mm -hmm. Here's what I want to point out is that, have you read the book rising strong by Brene Brown? Yes. Okay. All of them. So, and I, there's so much information in there. I know that we miss some things, but what she talks about in that particular book is that, uh, and it's brain science, which I geek out on. I love, but what we do is that we make up stories about everything really. And actually the pleasure center in our brain is rewarded when we come to conclusions about stories that we really don't have any idea if they're true or not. So our brain doesn't care if the story is true or not. It just Mm -hmm. likes that we have created a conclusion, an ending to the story. So for instance, when you're scrolling through social media and you see a picture of your friend's vacation with her new Lexus, (laughs) you know, Uh making up a story that, Lynn, you said it, like she has her life together. You know, you're making a conclusion about her life, right? Totally. Totally. The and truth, I have no idea whether or not that's right. true. The truth of the matter is, and I always, I always hope for the best for people. And I, and please know, like, I'm not hoping that your friend is like hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, but that could be like, we don't see people's tax records. We don't know what their debt looks like. We don't know any of that. Is that, does that feel like that's what you're doing? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm also a part of like a network marketing team. Um, I have a network marketing side hustle, like pair your success with theirs and being like, I should be further along in this. I should be making more money. Like they're winning, like earning Cadillacs. (laughs) You know what I mean? 
So it's, yeah, it's, it's really hard to yeah. the whole comparison thing too. I'm sure we could like go down a rabbit hole with that, but I feel like it's kind of tied into the money. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's totally yeah. tied into it. And okay. So here's, here's your first assignment is that I want you to start paying attention when you're making up stories about other people's lives. Mm-hmm. Not, and that's with everything you're making up stories about how they're what they're you know, their intimate relationship looks like, what their day-to-day life looks like, what their bank account looks like, mm-hmm. all of that. And just notice, and it's not that I'm asking you to jump into different conclusions about their life. Of course, we hope the best for them, but just mm-hmm. notice when you are making up stories about it. Okay. Okay. I can do that. Yep. I'm curious too about, do you make up any assumptions about women in particular who are wealthy, not just women who like, you know, quote unquote, have their shit together and their lives together, together, but women who are wealthy. Yes. Um, I've never really given that much thought before, but yeah, absolutely. I think, I feel like, I feel like a lot of women who seem to have it all are probably not that they're not making money on their own as well, but that they probably are with someone who makes good money, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is kind of crazy to say out loud that I think that, but, um, yeah, or that they for some reason came into their money really easily. It wasn't a struggle for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's just totally true. I'm ass- I'm assuming there's probably more in there. So maybe that's yes. another part of your maybe some journaling. Yes. Because we tend to, and by we, I mean, I don't know. I'm gonna venture and say maybe 90% of women. Well, the truth of it is like, we don't have a whole lot of representation in the media of women who are wealthy, who are portrayed as amazing. You know, if you look at even going back to when we were children and, and, you know, think about like Cruella DeVille from 101 Dalmatians. She's always the Mm -hmm. first person I think of. Here was this woman, (laughs) she was portrayed as, first of all, haggard looking and murdering puppies. Like, could could it get any worse than that? <laughs> oh, no. I don't no. think it could. But, I mean, that's maybe an extreme example. But for those of you listening, like, think about, did anyone ever, I certainly didn't ever see any women who were wealthy, no matter how they came into their money, who were philanthropists, who were oh. kind-hearted. And I mean, even people like Mother Teresa, you know, she was you didn't see her as, I don't know how much money she had, but like there was definitely a separation is what I'm trying to say. Right. There was no, um, not a whole lot of great representation of that. So I would love for you to spend some time doing some journaling on what additional assumptions you have around, and maybe it's just basic like women and money. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as, as you were talking about Cruella DeVille, I actually thought about for some reason, Angelina Jolie popped into my head, like celebrities and like that women who are ultra wealthy and are famous have to be beautiful. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's something to journal about a little bit more too, because that's interesting. But then there's like Kristen Bell, who's amazing. So um, right. it goes both ways, obviously. But. It goes both ways. But and going back to your assumption around women who are wealthy are partnered. And they mm-hmm. are that way because of help from someone else. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's your assumption. I don't want to put assumptions mm-hmm. in your mouth. No, totally. Yeah. The thing is, is that money is never just money. Money is emotional. 
and I'm speaking very general here, you know, you can talk about how to manage money and how to budget and how to get out of debt and strategize how to make more money and all of those things, which are important. You know, you have to find the thing that works for you. But if you're not also looking at all the emotional stuff that's going on with money, you're just going to keep spinning your wheels and find yourself in the same place that you've been in over and over again. Absolutely. So yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to actually kind of take you, take you back, you know, as we're sort of on this topic about your assumptions and stories that you're making up around money. Tell me what your earliest memory of money is, whether it was a conversation you had with friends or siblings or your parents. What was that like? It definitely goes back to my parents. I've thought about this a lot and I love them. They're the best. They're the best role models in other ways. I love ways, how we but... always preface. <laughs> I know because I know my mom's going to want to listen to this and I love you, mom. But I love you and you did the best you could. And it was absolutely, amazing. it was so good. But you know, it was always the talk of, we can't afford this. That's too expensive. Just constantly, you know, money doesn't grow on trees, all of that kind of stuff. But then on the other hand, they were also very spontaneous with their money and maybe didn't manage it the best either, which I don't know what their finances looked like growing up. But I remember this one specific time, and I bring this up a lot, that they said that we were going to go look at hot tubs. We were going to go, they were interested in getting a hot tub and they were going to go look at hot tubs, but we were not going to buy one that day. And we came home with a hot tub. <laughs> so, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, fun. So, yeah. So I think I, I, I kind of look at it that way where I'm always saying that I'm broke, but then when, you know, a spontaneous something comes up like, Hey, you want to go out? I'm like, sure. Whatever. You know, like it's fine. It'll work itself out. And it typically does. But between going back and forth of I'm broke, but I'm just going to spend the money anyways. <laughs> so have you done this work before, type of work before, or were you just thinking about it in preparation for the call? Um, I've done a little bit of it before, but not anything really, really deep. Just kind of surface level, making me think about about this stuff before. But obviously, I, yeah, I need some more, <laughs> some more work with it. But yeah, and I, I think that here's what might be helpful for you. And I can't remember where I got this exercise along the way. It was either from Jensen Chero's money book or. Denise Duffield Thomas also has a money book. I'll, I'll link to both of those in the show notes. And one of, one of the two, it might've even been a different money book that I was reading, talks about the importance of getting these stories out on paper, if you can, and just journaling about them. And again, like I want to say that it's, it's not to blame and shame our parents. Our parents it's so weird when you figure out like, oh, my, my parents are just human. Like they were also raised by humans who are just doing the best they can. And, you know, it, it happens. And so it's about just sort of purging all of the stories that are embedded inside of you, the beliefs that you have, the assumptions, the stories around money. And you just named a couple of them. Mm-hmm. That's part one of that assignment. And then I think that this was De- um, Denise Duffield Thomas who talks about this, about forgiving all the people that you need to forgive, working on forgiving them who you might have resentments around your money stories. Does that make sense? Totally. And that's, that's kind of why I wanted to talk about this today because I have done some like surface level work on this stuff, but it's mostly just been about the awareness of what's going on, but it hasn't been the actual like figuring it out, (laughs) getting through on the other side. And so I just wrote forgiving and circled it really, really huge. So 
Um, yeah. I think that'll be huge. Really take your time with this because when I did this, I'll give you an example of something that might seem so ridiculous and innocuous. When I was in elementary school, there was this, it was like a tiny little vending machine in the library and you put in a dime and it gave you a pencil and there were all the different NFL teams. And I wanted to collect as many NFL teams as I could. Cause I knew that my dad would think it was so neat. And so I had probably like 25 or 30 pencils in a rubber band in my desk. I was maybe in third grade and someone stole it. The whole thing of pencils. And I remember being, and I didn't have siblings, you guys. So this was new to me. And I'm like, what do you mean somebody stole my stuff? Like, (laughs) right. That's allowed? (laughs) Head explosion. And it wasn't, I mean, at the time it wasn't, it wasn't even about the actual money. So I didn't really, it wasn't like my parents were scraping money together to try to give me a dime to, but it was more the principle of it and that. I had spent this money on these pencils that were for, do you see what I mean? Like it can be small, seemingly small things like that. So I, I wrote a short letter to this person and just was like, Mm -hmm. I forgive you. You must have really wanted these pencils and I hope that they serve, you know, like that type of stuff. So even anything that you might think is too small, write it down anyway. Mm -hmm. Okay. I can do that. Are you thinking of anything that's kind of popping up into your brain? Yeah. The first thing that popped into my brain, um, a few, probably five or six years ago, someone broke into my car Mm -hmm. and obviously that was a financial setback. Like my car got towed and then I had to fix the window and just all kinds of stuff. And I was super stressed about money then too. Definitely trying to forgive, forgive that someone else one time spilled a beer on my computer, just little things that like, I was freaked out because of the money aspect of it. Like it's not necessarily the, the computer that I was worried about, but it was like, how am I going to, it's going to cost me a lot of money to replace this. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a few instances for sure. Good. And I, I thank you for sharing your examples because I want to invite you to, to walk into any feelings you have around it. So, I mean, truth be told, like you have every right to be angry at mm-hmm. the person who broke into your car. Mm-hmm. So write that out. Like, how could you do this? Like whatever you're feeling, push that all out. And then you might want to try to look at the perspective of, I wonder what that person's life was like, mm-hmm. like that was the only option for them. Mm-hmm. Or that was a reasonable thing to do. Like, do you know what I mean? Like just every, anything that you need to feel around. So it's not, I don't necessarily, I'm not saying like, just forgive them. Like you need right. to process the whole process of it is getting out all the feelings that you need to get out with yeah. the hopes of being able to forgive them. Right. It's not all the love and light part. No, 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 no. I'd be fucking pissed if I was you too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. But what ends up happening is like these, these little, the way I like to, the metaphor I like to use is if you had a water balloon and you poked a pinhole in it, it's probably not that big of a deal. You know, that's like the one story of that person that broke into your car. And then you poke in another pinhole. That's the story of the person that spilled the beer on your computer. And then another pinhole. And another, and then pretty soon the whole thing is gushing. Mm-hmm. So we might not know that we're holding on to this resentment, which underneath that might be fear, which might be scarcity. And then these stories get made up like it's hard to make money. It's easy to lose money. It's easy to get into debt. I'm bad at money, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. 
Oh, I could definitely poke a lot more holes in that. Yeah. So look at all your water balloon holes, even if they seem silly or that they don't matter or they happened 20 years ago, it all matters. Mm -hmm. I'm also curious, kind of switching gears, when you talked about your belief that you said, I have a hard time feeling worthy of making and having money. Like who am I to make more money when there are so many more people who need it more than I do? This is always so interesting to me and also very, very common. I think more so with women. I feel like men don't have this belief. I don't know. Maybe they do, but I hear it a lot with women. And my question to you is, do you feel like other people's life will become better if you make no money? I don't know that that's necessarily it. I'm not sure. I just, I constantly catch myself like, Okay. For example, my rent here, and I'm just going to be just totally open. My rent here in Denver is 1500 for a one bedroom apartment. That's expensive. And <laughs> it's, yeah, it's kind of outrageous. Denver's nuts right now. But so, you know, I have that and then I've got my car payment, you know, all this other stuff. But then at the same time, I'm like, should I really be complaining about this? Because my apartment's really nice. I mean, it's not like over the top, but it's really nice. There's lots of places that are not as nice. Um, I dri- I'm driving a new car. Um, you know, I have nice things. I have, you know, the newest iPhone and, you know, like all mm-hmm. that. Like, why should I be complaining that I'm struggling when I know that there are people who are homeless and who, you know, have, they don't even have a means of transportation. And so it's just one of those things where I'm like, should I just be more grateful for what I have? Or do I have a valid, you know, reason to be kind of stressed and complain and feel shitty sometimes, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, which I know both are true. I know I need to find kind of the balance between gratitude and feeling what I'm feeling, but it's hard for me. How is it hard? It's just, I feel like it's like the angel and the devil on my shoulder where I'm like, stop complaining. But I'm like, no, it's, it fucking sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I'm also the kind of person that like, you know, I've read a lot of those money books. I've read the Jen Sincero and the uh, Kate Northrup and, um, you know, all those, all those stuff. I'm all about reading all the books, but it's about actually like implementing the things, mm-hmm. doing the exercises. And, and so that's why I was really excited to go into this with you today. Yeah. And I talk about this a lot, uh, you know, either when I'm sending emails out to people or on the podcast about that is an absolutely imperative first step to read all the books and audiobooks and all of that stuff mm-hmm. and listen to the podcasts. But if you are not actually implementing, it's like being on a treadmill and expecting to be able to run to the park. Like that's not, you're you're doing something like that's great, but you're not going to actually get to the destination that you want to get to if you're not implementing. And I wonder, well, that makes me curious because is there anything around, like when you think about what if you completely got out of debt? What if you were someone who had a really robust savings and for your retirement, like you had a portfolio, like all of these things that you make up are responsible adulting type of things around money. Is there any fear around that? Even though that might sound like it doesn't make sense. No, I get what you're saying. Yeah. And I think it kind of goes back to that thing where I'm like, there are other people who are struggling so much. Like who, like, how do I deserve that? Shouldn't, I almost feel like our society kind of makes it so that you feel like you have to be struggling. Does that make sense? Mm, Totally. Like, 
you know, if you're not struggling, then you're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, I think that that would be a fear is like, well, why, who am I to, to be, not be struggling when there's so many people who are, yeah. and I mean, I do have to try to rephrase that as like, then I would be in a financial place to be able to help them and mm-hmm. get back. Yeah. I feel like I, I can see it. I can see it. I just need Over to get there. To- <laughs> yeah. It's just down the road, you know, but the really great news is from where I'm sitting, you are walking towards it. Good. Even just by having this conversation, you are walking towards it. And I want to point out something about what you just said. And yes, it's, it's this weird dichotomy that is complicated around this, uh, you know, we're not, we don't deserve it unless it's a massive struggle and, you know, you got to hustle to make all the money. Mm -hmm. And for people who are making money or wealthy, who don't seem like they're struggling, Maybe you have opinions about that. I'm just assuming mm-hmm. that you do. Mm-hmm. And here, here's the thing is that, well, let's just like get something out of the way. Of, of course you have massive amounts of privilege. You do. Mm-hmm. You were born into a, a family where you had advantages and resources that a lot of people don't have. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, and this is going to be one of those, I hear you, but it's hard for me to actually believe it. <laughs> yeah. At the yeah. end of the day, you being a martyr about it, you feeling like you don't deserve it doesn't help anybody. It, it really doesn't help anybody. And the thing is, I have um, a friend who's actually local to me. Her name is Rachel Rogers and she's, I'll, I'll link to her in the show notes and she helps entrepreneurs and her goal is to, she has this very, um, probably very controversial opinion that, that you can't be a feminist unless you're rich. And it's one of those, I was like, girl, you're taking sides. (laughs) And it's her goal to make as many women millionaires as possible, especially black women. And her whole thing is, I want to be rich so I can help all of the people that don't have as many advantages as I do as I possibly can. And that might be a perspective shift for you. Totally. Yeah. Because you do hear of people who have wealth and you, at least I do, I feel like a lot of them are greedy and that doesn't have to be, like I mentioned Kristen Bell earlier, that doesn't have to be the case. Like she's super wealthy and famous and she gives back all the time. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah. Look at Beyonce and, and the massive amounts of money that her and her family give back. And at the same time, she is, I think I read somewhere that when they went on tour, she duplicated her daughter's bedroom that was like a castle and everything on their tour bus or something extravagant like that. And people were giving her shit about it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like this woman, like you can have both. You can have and enjoy what you have earned as well as give back to the people that, that need it. I want to actually circle back really quick to something that you just said. And you said, I, I see on social media or something like that, that, that women are greedy. So I'm curious, tell me more about that. Um, I think I just meant it more in just like just people in general that are that are wealthy. I feel like there's the a belief that's underneath the surface that they're greedy. So yeah, I, I'm not sure that I necessarily correlate it to just women, but just wealthy people in general typically being greedy. Like I don't know. I've always been of the assumption that like people who have money have money because they are kind of frugal. Okay. <laughs> um, and don't like to give it out and don't like to spend more. Some of the dentists I've worked for in the past have been kind of that way. But then I've also worked for people who 
give back to the community in amazing ways too. So definitely letting go of that, that belief that wealthy people are typically greedy would be beneficial for sure. Yeah. And the thing with letting go of beliefs is that it's one of those things where I just don't want you or anyone listening to underestimate the power that they have over you. I'm not saying that you can't let them go, but I think when we're talking about core beliefs and maybe you listen to an hour long podcast about it and you're like, yeah, I need to let go of that core belief. And then you walk away and don't do jack shit about it. (laughs) Or maybe, maybe you turn on it for a little while. I'm here to tell you that a lot, like I'm taking off my glasses here because, and I'm waving my arms around because (laughs) this is one of those things y'all where I'll tell you a quick story. So one of my core beliefs around money, and I've talked about this on the podcast before in 2015, I went to a workshop And they were talking about money stories and I could never, my friends had always talked about their money stories and I'm like, I don't know what mine is and feeling like, eh. So I finally figured out what mine is. And mine was, to make a long story short, was that I had a belief that if a family started to make more money than they had before, that equaled the disintegration disintegration of that family because that was my experience. So I had a belief that if you make more money, then your marriage is going to fall apart, you're going to get divorced, and it's all going to go to hell. And I'll tell you what, that story, I, I believe that our big assumptions like that, especially when they are around big topics like money and sex, they live in our bodies and they don't want to let go. So the whole concept of letting go of our core beliefs is a process. And for some people, what is extremely helpful, raises hand over here, is to do some kind of somatic work. So for you, first and foremost, I want you to, here's what I have just to kind of sum up. I want you to start noticing when you're making up stories around money and around wealth and around debt around working hard, all of those things that we talked about in the beginning. Mm -hmm. You're going to journal about women and money and what assumptions you have about that is kind of directly related to the first one and also directly related. Mm -hmm. Who do you need to forgive about money and what are the stories? So we were talking about the the holes in the water balloon. Mm -hmm. And then do you have any kind of meditation practice or yoga or do you, do you do anything like that? The one thing that I like to do active wise is just like weight lift. Okay. Um, I th- I'd say that's one thing. I'm not like a runner. I don't really do like you, to- Okay. When you weight lift, do you listen to music or podcasts mm-hmm. or what do you like to do? Music usually. Okay. Would it be helpful for you to kind of set an intention before you go into a weightlifting session? Like you put on your favorite music and that really kind of helps you get in the zone and, vo- and focus and really start thinking about, so maybe this might be helpful, like after you've journaled and you get everything out, like all of your assumptions and start thinking about some of the money stories that bring up the most emotion for you mm-hmm. and pause. Maybe you do it in between sets or whatever works. I don't know if you're like, like Olympic weightlifting and you can't lift your arms. <laughs> I wouldn't after go that you. far. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, my my thought was that you, like when here's what I imagine. I imagine you doing a set and then you're thinking about these particular money stories that you have and put your hands on wherever you're feeling it in your body. Because mm. in the very beginning we were talking about and I asked you how you felt and you were saying you felt like your tight your chest tightens and what do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think I could definitely do that. Incorporate it. This is about processing the whole thing and noticing and really honoring your body. 
because it's just doing what it knows what to do. And you're honoring the whole system as a whole. And you can even say something to yourself like, I see you and thank you for serving me up until now. You're no longer serving me. Mm-hmm. And I'm asking to let you go. Like some kind of little prayer or mantra like that. And this is something that's going to have to be repeated. It's not just like, okay, done. One time. One <laughs> there time it goes. Yeah. Absolutely. How do you think, how, do you think that that would be helpful or do you want to make any adjustments to it that would help you more? No, I think that would be, I think that would be great. Definitely just try to, trying to like journal or do those mantras and stuff and then get, get my body moving and see how it feels. Yeah. You just did like a really big exhale and I think <laughs> that that's poignant. Yes. I do. <laughs> yeah. It felt really good. Well, and what I was thinking when you did it was like, is just breathing out all of that, all of the heaviness and Mm -hmm. those old stories that aren't serving you as you go into the next chapter of your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It felt relieving for sure. Even the possibility of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Just talking about it. So can't imagine how it's going to actually feel. (laughs) Yeah. I would love to have you, because I feel like this is like a two-part, a two-parter. Okay. Would you be willing to come back? Oh, yeah. Okay. Thank you for doing that. I just, I always follow my intuition and I feel like, I feel like we're not done. And I feel like we would never be done. Like this is never done. Trust me. I've been working on my money stuff for four years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Lifelong process for sure. But I feel like we're not done and I would love to maybe... How long do you want to work on this before we jump back on? How much time do you think you need? Like a month or? Yeah, I was going to say probably like three or four weeks um, just because, you know, life. But um, yeah, I'd I'd say three or four weeks would probably be good. And then then after that, see how it's feeling and then reconvene. Reconvene. Okay, excellent. I would love that. And I would love for you to just work on everything that you, that we talked about And then keep me updated in terms of this was really helpful. This wasn't, I decided to tweak this assignment, like whatever comes up because other stuff might come up. And that's the thing. It's like, I don't, I don't, you know what works for you best. And as you're doing these exercises, other stuff might come up that's directly related, that's indirectly related. Like we don't know. So please Mm -hmm. keep me updated as you go. And if I don't hear from you in a week or so, I'll, I'll reach out. And then I would love to have you come on and we can just debrief on how you're feeling and then talk about this some more and see, then see what's next for you. Perfect. I'm so excited. Good. I'm so glad. How are you feeling now? Ah, I'm feeling, yeah, lighter, not as tight, hopeful. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh yeah, of course. Like, I just want to say this too, because we started out the conversation talking about shame and just, you know, mentioning that this was a, a subject that that brought that up for you. And I talk about shame resilience all the time. And part of shame resilience, I know you've read all of Brene's books, so you know, part of shame resilience is to be able to talk about it. And the person on the receiving end meets you with empathy and and really just more or less doesn't come at you with dismissal or um, oh, you think you have money problems. Let me tell you about mine. Like any of the things yeah. that make us feel kind of worse about it and like, oh, yeah. that was crappy. So just just throwing it out there that 
Shame Resilience Works, y'all, everybody. Mm-hmm. And I, I do believe that that's some of the relief that you're feeling. Like nothing's changed in your life. I didn't suddenly like transfer a million dollars over into your bank oh, account. Or- <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> <Not for student laughs> loans. Oh, but it's just, it's just conversation around the, the big topics that are hard for us. Yes. Yes. It's so good. So I'm good. so glad. All right, Ms. Melanie, you have some homework to do and stay tuned, everybody. We'll have you back on to debrief this and see how you're doing. And thank you so much for your time, everyone listening. I know how valuable your time is. Stay tuned. I'm excited for part two of this. And until next time, everybody, I will see you all out in cyberspace. Bye-bye. 